You're listening to the Movie Crew Podcast. And I'm Jack's complete lack of surprise because we're discussing David Fincher's Fight Club. You no trouble. Me, fifth element. You will be a weapon. You will be a minister of death praying for war. But until that day, you are cute. Sound off like you got a pair. I'm Brian Elkins, and with me here tonight, my significant other, Lindsay. Hello. Hey, baby. How hey. you doing? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm I'm I'm, do, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. This is a, a this is a, a listener request here, which uh, I didn't realize that I didn't realize it was part of. Oh yeah, this entire month, all listener requested uh, topics or, or you know movies here, um, and it was. Uh, James Anton that requested Fight Club here, so James, this one's going out for you. Yeah, this is kind of a, an important movie that we we're, we're doing this one together. Yeah, this is the one movie I requested that when it comes up because you knew you know this movie is going to come up at some point in time. So when you do the podcast on Fight Club, I want to be involved. And why is that? Because it's the first movie we ever watched together. We're very romantic. <laughs> Well, I mean, come on, this is, you know, it's got the love story in there, you know, it's buried under a bunch of guys beating the shit out of each other. Well, no, yeah, there's, I think there's definitely the, the love story. Today is Valentine's Day, so again, very romantic, and that we get to do this together, and how many years has it been? Oh yeah, this is 20th anniversary. The 20th anniversary, so. 1999. Had a feeling this one was going to come up this year, so I thought this was going to be all about me, but I, I'm glad that you get to appreciate your listeners too. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, of course it's all about you. Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, yes. The entire reason. So, baby, what did you think of this movie when you first... <laughs> <laughs> well, what I thought about it. Oh, I was, I was just riffing. You re- you really... Oh, no. 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 What was Actually, it? you know, when we were re-watching it for the podcast, I was really wishing that I could go back and remember exactly how I felt about it the first time you watch it. Because I don't think you can recapture... Like once you you've seen everything, I don't think you can recapture that feeling of the first time you saw it. And I don't. I, I to be honest, I can't really remember everything I thought at that time. It was crazy. I think, and it was definitely impactful. I know it was impactful for you. Well, it, it's a, it's a it's a it's a lot to take in on first viewing. Uh, the movie's doing a whole lot, you know. I mean, it's got uh, heavy-handed uh, 
philosophy mumbo jumbo that's getting spit out. You got these fight clubs that you know later get turned into their own like little separate commentary on fascism. You do have this little love story that's happening. All these montages and they throw in so many um different just filmmaking techniques in the movie. Which of course I wouldn't have thought about that, but I know that that's something that you hone in on very very easily. Well, I mean a lot of it's obvious like uh like the VO from Edward Norton. You have a uh, VO instant here. Um, even um, during the flashback sequence. Well, I mean, really, the whole movie's a flashback. Oh yeah, yeah. But I there... forget that until like we, you go back and rewatch the <laughs> the beginning opening credits, and I'm always trying to because it seems like it's really long when you're watching it to see how it's going through like the synapses and everything. Oh to yeah. To try to see like what is this really traveling through. And how, how, I don't know how all this connects and you come through the pore and the skin, my, the anatomy background. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know about all this. I don't, I don't think that that, that's how that works, but it's still really cool. I think it's, that's actually from like a, you know, scans of a brain. Yeah. I mean, you can tell like that looks, looks very brain-like. I think that this, that's as accurate as they could get, you know, at that time. Sure. But it's still, even it's 20 years old, it holds up really well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's uh, the that sequence, the open the the credit sequence in the very beginning. Um, it's supposed to be in the the fear center of of uh, Edward Norton's brain, his character, because his character doesn't have a name. He's just the narrator, which I think that's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> you don't really think about it until the movie's over, and this is it's kind of like when you're looking at the credits and it says narrator beside Edward Norton's name. And you're just like, oh yeah, that's right. His name really wasn't Jack. He got that from reading those uh, Reader Digest. Well, and I never thought his name really was Jack, but I don't know what I thought his name really was. And I didn't think about it at all until seeing the credits. Yeah. Well, there's that one scene where uh, Marla's standing out in traffic. Oh, She's like, yeah. are you Cornelius Rupert or any of the other fake names that you give at these meetings? What does he say? He doesn't say anything. The bus is pass- passes by her and it cuts and goes to a different scene. That's why it's like, ooh, wait, wait, what is his name? I didn't think about it. Well, the movie moves so quickly, you it know, and does. I mean, even at the at the moment, there's not a lot of time to s- sit and think about it. And I guess if you didn't really want to think about any of those very deep things, it moves fast and it's just very entertaining. Oh, what I wanted to say about that um, that op- the opening credit oh, yeah, sequence? No, <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, was that was uh, done by Digital Domain, which was the company that J- James Cameron founded? What? Yeah, he founded an effects workshop that you know helped him work on. Um, I think it was the Abyss. Yeah, I was just trying to think of what is the chronology there. Where was James Cameron and his life or in movie 1999, life? In uh, it would have been two years uh, post-Titanic. Oh, okay. So he had just come off winning a, an Oscar. I don't think he was uh, actually yeah, yeah, working at the company. He just, he was the founder of it. He's, he's getting money from it. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> or pouring money into it. It's an effects house, so who knows if they're making money or not. Well, it does hold up really well, though. It does. It looks good. You know, we think of it now as like this, oh, it's a cult movie. Oh, it's Fight Club. And it is, it's very popular. A lot of people know about it. Do you Um, think like people, young people now know about it? It's rated like number 10 on IMDb. Hmm. So, you know, I think there's a group. I mean, I don't know if people under the age of like 25. Is it one of those like when you're in college, it's like, hey man, you have to have watched... Like there's like the movie person, and they're like, you have to watch these movies. Like, oh yeah, once it's you definitely get into, one of those. Into college, or is that when is that where it's blossoming? Oh yeah, I mean, even when I was in college, like this movie had come out maybe like a, a year later, 
and already in the dorm rooms you were seeing the clockwork orange posters uh yeah you know and there was always like a pink floyd uh the wall poster and then there was a fight club poster usually and those are the three things you know do you think it's still that way now i mean because all right obviously clockwork orange and um pink floyd you know those are still very quintessential i would think actually i don't know i guess we're it's i'm too far removed from that i don't know yeah that's the thing is is like marvel taking that over and is that what I mean, surely that's not comic book stuff in dorm rooms, but I don't know. I don't know either. Is it more all video games? I mean, I mean, video games were really big when you were in college, too, though. Yeah. But when this movie came out, it was not a box office hit. This was actually a pretty huge disappointment because Brad Pitt at the time was a huge star. Right? He even, uh, I think, got uh, nominated for 12 Monkeys. Oh, so th- and I, don't, I don't know movie dates quite like you do. So it was 12 Monkeys before this, I guess. Then. Yeah, that was 1996. And this was 99? 1999. So he was coming off of, I think the movie he did before this was Meet Joe Black. When was 7? 95. Okay. So that was even before 12 Monkeys. So he was definitely big star. Yeah. And that was David Fincher's like first film. I mean, he had done Alien 3 before, but he he had a lot of problems with that movie. We did a whole podcast. You can go back and listen to all those problems that fincher had to to fuck him deal with but seven was like the first one where he had creative control and i don't know in my mind uh, when you were thinking about brad pitt as a big star i was thinking about interview with the vampire which (laughs) i know is not the same level of movie as those other ones that you said but but this is definitely a different it's more along the lines of the 12 monkeys i think interview with the vampire though made more money than all those other films i bet it did i think tom cruise is who you think of yeah i mean that's that's who, you know, I guess that's in the media was hyping up, and that's who the studio was. But, you know, there's the different Brad Pitt, like Legends of the Fall Brad Pitt. Wait, are you saying, like, there's long hair and there's well, short hair? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about it that way, but... He's like, it's, it's, it's when he's got the short hair, you know, he's kind of cute, but when he's got the big mane. Yes, the lion's mane. Luscious locks. <laughs> but it's definitely, I mean, well, I guess in 12 Monkeys he had long hair and he was crazy. Oh, yeah. Well, he, he's got long and short hair in that movie. His That's character true. is kind of like all over the all over the map. But it takes place in, you know, different time periods. So that makes sense. But this definitely seems more like the the 12 Monkeys. You know, has he played kind of a crazy person in other movies outside of 12 Monkeys and Fight Club? Oh, none are coming to me off the top of my head. I know. I can't think of any. Yeah. Seemed like he was having fun with it, though. I don't know. He's he's pretty crazy and inglorious bastards. Oh, I forget about that. That's definitely. It's a, it's a, he's got some strong choices in that movie. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I I, for, I forget about. Accent. Yeah, I forget all about that though. But yeah, this was going to be a hit. It was it was supposed to be a hit. You know, Brad Pitt. Uh, oh, Edward Norton. Um, he was hot off of uh, American History X. Oh, but very. I always think of him as a very serious. Like American History X. What else was it? Primal. Wasn't he in Primal? He was Fear? in Primal Fear. That's the first thing I remember seeing him in. And then he did Pe- the People versus uh, Larry Flint. I, I think that's where he, David Fincher saw him. And he was like, "All right, okay, I can see this guy from the narrator." He keeps talking about uh, Edward Norton's face on the commentary. David Fincher is, and he's like, "You can just look at his eyes. You can see those bags under his eyes. That's Edward Norton's face." He was made for this role. And I was like, wow, are you cutting your actor down on the commentary? Man. Yeah, (laughs) that sounds terrible. (laughs) (laughs) If it's just like, yeah, but look at those bags. They're so beautiful. He's just, he was made for this role. You look like you have insomnia for real. 
I don't know why I did that voice. It's not what David Fincher sounds like. <laughs> but you had to make it distinctive, you know. Yeah, I guess. So David Fincher thought that he uh, this role was written. I mean, I know it was a book first, but he had Edward Norton in mind the whole time. Like even when he put the package together and sent it to the studio, Brad Pitt and Edward Norton were already attached to it. And they hadn't found uh, the Marla Singer, the actress that was going to play her yet, uh, Helen Bonham McCarter. She was not attached, and I don't think Meatloaf was attached yet. Or <laughs> Can you imagine? I, I can't imagine that he had auditioned. Like, I wonder what he was thinking, like, casting call. I think I'd be perfect for, for this role of Bob with the hormone disorder. <laughs> I think if Fincher, if Fincher saw him on some... Um, oh, so Fincher went after him. Yeah, he saw him on some VH behind the one, VH1 behind the music video or something. He just saw him, he's like, well, you know, there's a soft side to Meatloaf here. There's a real soft side to him. I think we could explore this. Can you imagine him, especially of how you just characterize how he uh, felt Edward Norton with those bags under his eyes. That's just him, and that's how he'd be perfect. Just how, if he had a similar thing for Meatloaf. Like, I just think you'd be perfect with some massive mammary glands for this well he had to wear a whole fat suit oh really oh yeah the love handles and everything yeah that's you can't just add big boobs you got to make the whole body weight match it looks good in the movie i mean it's it's hard to tell it looks realistic i guess yeah (laughs) even in the fight scenes he's brawling i guess he always had a shirt on though he does have a shirt on there's not a naked (laughs) Uh, which thank goodness yeah i mean i don't think anybody wants to see that (laughs) well uh fincher was they were gonna make one uh and he said on the commentary it just got too expensive so they cut it out (laughs) for cost man yeah at the budget the budget was 63 million though that's a lot of money but they did have some a good amount of effects though too i mean we were watching some of those um making of and just some of the cgi just thinking where cgi was even at that point and some of the things that they, they did. I mean, that's got to be pretty expensive, right? Yeah. I mean, this was the year of the Matrix. How much did that cost? Uh, I don't know. Why I'd don't have you to look just know up. these things? <laughs> I, you know, I, I bet it, it's probably a little cheaper. You think the Matrix was cheaper than yeah. Fight Club? But you know what? You know, you look at these effects. I think I think this looks better than the Matrix. It might, I think it does hold up. Well, they it did different. They did the, the different things like the bullet time and all that. I mean, it, that's that looks, yeah. Yeah, but just just open, just the open coming out of the brain, and then it does the camera move where it starts with Brad Pitt and it goes down to the bomb, and you, you follow, the camera just drops down this entire skyscraper, goes into the parking garage, goes into the parking garage across the street, up another skyscraper. That's even the trash can shot where it's going through like um, oh all the all the different you know how you're a terrible consumer if you like any of these things, and it's like Krispy Kreme and Starbucks container. Planet Microsoft or whatever he says, or I forget what it is, but Google's going to own everything eventually. I did feel like we should have gone to Ikea before we uh, <laughs> did this podcast. Have Go eat at their little cafeteria and That's right. walk get, around. Get free coffee with those little cards. Get, get some <laughs> Swedish meatballs <laughs> and some cookies. They're actually pretty yummy. I don't if they ever brought that yin yang table back. <laughs> That's what I always think about with the IKEA furniture in Edward Norton's apartment. That that little the yin yang table. That's pretty dated. Yeah, you haven't seen it yin yang in a little bit. You know, if, if they brought bit. one back, I, I would I would be tempted to get it with like a little soap holder. Yeah, it has just, like a little pink bar of soap. <laughs> you'd have to. It'd be like, yeah, it's a piece of a Fight Club themed furniture. Was it what you read the book? Did I they did. single out like IKEA? 
Oh, I don't remember and, that much. And consumerism. I mean, you know, we were, we were talking about this as far as product placement, because there's a lot of products in there, but yeah. the messaging around the products is like, you're mindless consumer. These things end up owning you and... You the know. only thing I remember uh, hearing on the commentary was uh, Pepsi was singled out uh, by Fincher. They got money f- um, from Pepsi. That's why if you look. I don't even remember Pepsi. They hide them pretty well. But... I remember Bush. <laughs> I don't know. Is that a Pepsi product? Is Pe- Pepsi owned Bush? I have no idea. I didn't. I just assumed they didn't, but I guess they could. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. It it just depends. But that's who they got money from. Um, and then outside of that, lawyers have to clear rights for things, but. But I wonder if like the if these entities thought they were they were gonna get in a movie with Brad Pitt and get some you know I don't know. I mean it's not gonna deter me from eating Krispy Kreme. I don't know how they were able to get, really get away with that. Because there was even a um a moment where David Fincher brought up uh he was doing uh, liner notes for uh the Dust Brothers on uh, some album that they were releasing and he made uh some mention about IKEA in there. You know, you would think that that a company that that is that size, they would not be ha- happy with that. I mean, I guess it's not slanderous, but it's not like They pulled his liner notes for, for it. I mean, it's not slanderous. I mean, you're, you know, it's Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just you're not like a said, bad. Yeah. It's just well, if we said IKEA sucks right now, like you know, you know, nothing's going to happen. That's a personal opinion. Yeah, but you know, just something with these major actors and a huge movie, and it's, you know, it's you know, they're making fun of people that your life is perfect when you have all the IKEA furniture. Yeah, you know, the only problem in, with that, the it just with the one part of the movie that just drives me crazy is when Brad Pitt points out that that male model in the movie. It's it's when, it's when they're on the bus. Oh, uh huh. And he's like, "Oh, is that how men are supposed to look?" And it's some underwear model. It's some ripped dude. And it's like a couple shots earlier in the movie, Brad Pitt is barely wearing well, anything, that's true. like super greased up with like just ripped, just like a sixteen pack, looking sexy as shit. Like, Man, fuck you, Brad Pitt. You don't get to say <laughs> that. Give, Edward Norton can have that. No, line. I think didn't Edward Norton did have that line, didn't he? He did. Well, Brad Pitt just laughed at it. it was it? Was there a response to it? Did Brad? I don't even remember if he had a response. I don't know. I can't remember. It just that scene just irritated me in general. I, well, I think they did probably for that reason get get Edward Norton to say that that line. But you know, we we even talked about like Brad Pitt's pants look like they're about to fall off, like in any any scene. <laughs> you know, it's like they're barely they're barely holding on there. I feel like he, if he changed his posture a little bit too much, they're gone. They, no, they were they were definitely milking it. I, I love it when he answers the door too. After he's uh, screwing Marla and like Brett, uh, Edward Norton's oh, peeking gosh. through the door. Yeah, and then he opens it and it's like he, there's no way he had but so much covered. Yeah, he was wearing a sock. He was wearing a sock? <laughs> yes. I wonder how uh, Helena Bonham Carter felt. I mean, her husband's Tim Burton. <laughs> I was. Are they, they're not together anymore. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm behind on my I don't celebrity ne- gossip. I don't. Even, were they? I don't know if they were together at, at this time. I don't know. I don't know either. I can't keep up with who. But you know. Who. But you know, thinking about her, you wouldn't have thought about her as like a sex symbol. Well, I don't think she is a sex symbol, and even in this movie, do you think she is? I mean, she's got some nice femme fatale qualities, like especially like when she's being introduced. Well, they don't have any hesitations with her being naked, or I don't know. They said stuff about body double because I guess how they did the. I don't know. No, there was just that one scene. Yeah, and that uh, that was weird. The sex scene in the movie is it's it's like a dream hallucination that Edward Norton's character is having. I guess uh, yeah. once you know the end of the movie, spoiler. I guess it's kind of like a memory slash dream. 
Yeah, uh, because just from her perspective, if you went, like, when she sees him open the door, I mean, she's got to see him talking to no one at certain times and answering or having an entire conversation with himself. Well, yeah, I mean, well, she calls out every time she sees it. She usually says, like, who are you talking to or, you know, what are you talking about or gives him a, a weird double take or tells him, fuck you, and just leaves. I do like all of her, her confused looks. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, because she is a very bizarre character. I mean, like, she's very... She's suicidal. She steals people's clothes and pawns them. She's a little bit of a hypochondriac. She she also steals uh, uh, meals and wheels. Oh, yeah. But she but she shares them if you're coming to visit her. Yeah, that's true. She, she she's, a, she's a weird character. But, you know, she's probably the most grounded, sane person in this movie. Yeah, when you're actually thinking about it, that's... Well, you wonder what it is for her that gets her going to the support groups. You know, because Edward Norton, he has the insomnia. How did he end up going to the support groups? How did that start? The doctor. He goes to a doctor because he can't sleep. Oh, right, right, right. That's what they... And they and were he like... he says, like, yeah, you want to see you want to see real pain? You need healthy, natural sleep. Choose some valerian root and get more exercise. Hey, come on. I'm in pain. You want to see pain? Swing by First Methodist Tuesday nights. See the guys with testicular cancer. That's pain. But can you imagine how insensitive that is? Like to just eavesdrop on something like that. You know, when you everyone's thinking they're in a safe space and everyone's going through the same thing and to be a tourist. Yeah, you know. I don't know. Bob didn't seem to mind. No, Bob found a pretty good companion from it. It was probably weird when Marla showed up to that one, though. Oh, well, well, Edward Norton went to a sickle cell uh, <laughs> one, and I like how that, that one shot when he's just mad about Marla and the people are looking at him like, <laughs> we know you don't belong here, dude. <laughs> so I think he, he was a little bit egregious. I mean, <sighs> That's true. He does He does get a little... And they, they start to share it. was it? They split the parasites. Oh, yeah. That, that, that whole sequence is pretty funny about, oh, that one's your favorite, too? Well, I guess uh, before we go on break, I do want to talk about because I, I mean I just absolutely love the sound in this film. If you have a five point one surround sound system, turn it up. It is amazing. Like just the way it starts, just with the logo. You get the Twenty Century Fox logo. You get the Regency logo. They fade out, and you get this awesome like little water your underwater sound with these bubbles, and then the music slowly. F- does look a little record scratch it comes on and you're floating through the brain and you can hear like all these little electrical impulses and it's just so good just straight off from the get-go amazing stuff it does sound really good all the punches are great like just true all just some of them are really you know just sound like good solid punches but then oh like when he's beating Hmm. the shit out of jared leto kind of which is kind of wet sounding and yes sounds gross yeah Yeah, here's here's some of that uh celery or whatever they're using for the bone uh crunches in this one um yeah i don't know what they're using but it's just so good it was when they pour the acid the lie on his hand the sizzle oh yeah that's a good one too Mm -hmm. there's a bunch of really just amazing stuff here and even like the background like just listening to the city environment they're hitting the golf balls it's so good. It was, it was Oscar nominated, and you can you can hear it. It's a shame it it didn't win. 
Well, and you were saying that, you know, as far as Oscars, you were like, how did how did this not win more? And you were talking about how what a good year that was. Yeah, 99 is a great year for cinema. Got American Beauty, The Sixth Sense. What else? Uh, Blair Witch Project. And didn't you say The Matrix also was the same year? Yeah. That was a pretty good year. Bunch of good stuff. Star Wars Episode One. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of build up for that one. Oh my gosh. I don't think I've ever seen that much hype in my life for a film. I always think about Taco Bell. <laughs> it was all the promotional things were at Taco Bell for that. I don't know why. <sighs> Not so much. I don't remember Fight Club having any <laughs> promotion out and about. And I actually didn't see it in the theater. First time I saw it was with you. I, I did see this one in the theater. Uh, Kern Saxton who has been on this podcast before. We actually interviewed him. I think it was it's in the episodes in the 30s somewhere. We went to a, a summer film program. And, uh, you know, you exchange numbers like you do. You know, I didn't, did not hear from him. And I think this movie came out in October. The weekend it opened up, I got a phone call from him on a Saturday. He was like, you got to go see this movie. This movie's incredible. Went and saw it. And then I, I did the same thing. Was going around to everyone. Hey, you got to see this movie. Who did you see it with? Uh, who did I say? I saw, saw it with my mom. <laughs> oh my God! You saw this movie with your mom? Yeah. For the first time? How? How? I mean, were you still at home? No. Yeah, I was living at home. Yeah. Oh. That was in high school. Yeah, I still saw movies <laughs> with my mom. Go see movies with your mom, guys. Come on. No, I bet. Yeah, I mean, but knowing your mom, she would love it. Oh yeah, we saw. Uh, oh my God, we saw so many of those stupid fucking action movies in the nineties. Oh my God. Saw every single one of those Stallone movies, even the Van Damme ones. Every <laughs> single goddamn one. Some of them were half bad. Some of them were pretty good. I do remember once you got to college, the other one, the other movie that stood out to me that everyone was like, oh, you have to go see this, there was um, Requiem. Oh, Requiem for a Dream? Yep. Yes. I remember that was that was very impactful, too. Well, that actually came out in, in theaters, like, I think, when we met. Was it so 2001? Yeah. Would have been about that time. And I think it's about that time to play a trailer for Fight Club. We'll be back. I want you to hit me as hard as you can. Why? How much can you know about yourself if you've never been in a fight? Wait, let me start earlier. Like many of you, I was stuck. You want me to deprioritize my current reports yeah. until you advise of a status upgrade? Make these your primary action items. I couldn't sleep. No, you can't die from insomnia. I'd flip through catalogs and wonder, what kind of dining set defines me as a person? This is your life, and it's ending one minute at a time. I prayed for a different life. Soap. I make and I sell soap. This is how I met Tyler Durden. Come on, hit me before I lose my nerve. Okay. Ow! It hit me in the ear. It was on the tip of everyone's tongue. Can I be next? We just gave it a name. Gentlemen, welcome to Fight Club. The first rule of Fight Club is... Wow, nice. You do not talk about Fight Club. Is that your blood? Some of it, yeah. After Fight Club, we all started seeing things differently. You're gonna have to keep me up all night. She ruined everything. You're not into her, are you? No. God, not at all. We've all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars. But we won't. He had a plan. <laughs> to what purpose? In Tyler, we trusted. We gotta take Fight Club up a notch. 
Each one of you has a homework assignment. You're gonna start a fight with a total stranger. That's not necessary. And you're gonna lose. That hurt. You were looking for a way to change your life. You got it. I'm stopping this. It's already done, so shut up. What kind of sick game are you playing? Oh my god. All right, we're back. That was a trailer for Fight Club. First rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. But they get more members. Yeah, I, I like how that works. But it's not until much later. And then when he goes to start Fight Clubs and other cities and you know you don't think about that till later you realize that it's it's happened in other cities does he go through the same how does he recruit members does he do the same like when they have the homework assignment to go pick a fight with someone or does he just fight tyler in a parking lot and let people just gravitate to him just the way it did the first time it was a lost generation babe you know they're just flocking you know they just see somebody in a parking lot fighting by themselves and they're like okay I want to see what that's about. Yeah, imagine if the, you really saw that now. You see someone beating the crap out of themselves. You think you'd just go over and want to go close and watch? Oh, everybody would just you just videotape it. Oh, that's true. Cell totally, phone generation. Uh, oh, yeah, and there are payphones. Video, videotaping sounds weird. That sounds dated. Oh, there are payphones in the movie. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. There. Yeah. He's even in the movie. They're talking uh, on the phones an old rotary dial which i guess in that house it still would make sense and like if you're do you think you could still could, the blade runner house <laughs> do you think you could still pull off you know they're so anti you know i didn't even miss tv after the first month you know i guess there are some people that may still rebel against the connection i mean when cell phones you know you resisted having a cell phone for a long time do you oh, think yeah. that there's i mean could you even function in today's society trying to do something like that Mm, yeah, I mean, you could function. You just would have to not exist on, like, you know, fate. Well, I guess you could do everything on a computer. Well, I mean, you could, you know. I mean, you just separate your time. But who's got time for that now? <laughs> so just lay in line, and I guess you'd still... Hey, Lily. <laughs> Cat cameo. <laughs> oh, my gosh, she's super loud. But I guess you still would have to do email. I mean, I guess they had their email was a, a thing then. Yeah, I mean, you could do you could just do do it on a computer. You just have to allot your time. But you know, people seem so connected now. Like even when you send emails, it's almost like, hey, you know, I sent that like five minutes ago. Have you have you have you read that yet? Like we're so used to just instant responses from things. Like yeah. even if it's after hours, you don't expect that as much. But still, people are pretty responsive. Just. To try to disconnect and still... Well, I guess maybe they don't care too much about being a functional member of society after they blackmail the company into still pay, having him on the payroll. No, I mean, yeah, the Tyler Durden, he's even got some mantra in the movie uh, where he's like, oh, yeah, let's see if we can get back to the hunter-gatherer sense. And, you know, I envision a world where there's vines growing all over fucking uh, buildings and we can just climb up them and we'll grow shit off the land. And it's like, what are you talking about? Oh, and I didn't even understand what he was 
actually saying and it's like you will wear the leather clothes that you will wear for years I'm like what what is even going on right now and I don't think I connected you know what he was actually saying I don't that he was envisioning a world of you know taking you back to the basics of primal stages uh, until we you know watched it that scene again and I could actually understand what he was saying that that scene is um it's it's weirdly cut it's how it's very, it's you get a shot, it fades out, and the next one will fade in, or it'll just cut. Um, and it's like that for every shot, but it's a cool scene. And it's even got like little again with the sound. It's got like little animal noises and like uh, emergency responding. Like a, it sounds like a di- dispatcher call almost. Like very subtly in the background, it sounds like there's like chaos in the world ending. And then I don't know, like there's an animal growl in there. It, it it's just got some cool you know, noises while he's talking about people living like savages again. Although I like how they handle Tyler Durden's character. Like even at that point in the movie, I'm I'm kind of off board. Like, yeah, Tyler Durden's definitely kind of a crazy nutbag. But when you first meet him, I mean, he is likable. I mean, they get, they get Brad, uh, Brad Pitt to play the guy, you know, and he's got some charisma. He's, he's a freeing guy. He's, he's very cool. You know, like even when he's meeting, um, Edward Norton and they're they're talking like, hey man, you you can't ask. We gotta have all these beers. You you can't ask. You need a place to stay. And and I like how in, on the the plane, I mean, how Brad Pitt's like the uber cool person, and Edward Norton, you know, saving up his single serving witticism to, <laughs> you know, how he's he's built this up, and and Brad Pitt just looks at him's like, you're, you're you know, you think you're clever, or that's very clever. And yes, how is that working out for you? You know, and so he's just the the cool dude. Or and even when like Edward Norton's like, "Hey, we had the same suitcase," and Brad Pitt just looks at him like, "Okay, dweeb." I, yeah. I do like the uh, the same suitcase call out. And that yeah, because that that was the first the first thing. And I will never look at soap the same way after this movie, <laughs> for sure. Thinking that's, about that, <laughs> that's the grossest. Oh, and they're sealing the fat, the fat from the liposuction clinic. Oh, that's so gross! And just when the the bag rips on the the wire, the yeah, it's a barbed wire, the barbed on the wire, top yeah, of the fence. and it's just like all over Brad Pitt's face. <laughs> just dumps right on his head. It's so gross. I love that like the instinct of him like trying to like collect it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, dude, what are you doing? No, don't do that. So gross, but it's like you know, it, I do like that moment because it, it's instinctual. You're like, oh, I'll catch it. No, it's liquid fat. Tyler's you know quit all of his jobs uh, and he's making soap full time now, uh, selling rich women their fat back. That's a great moment in the film too. The the montage where you get to see all of Tyler's jobs, where he's splicing um, shots of cocks into Disney films. And that poor little girl that's like crying <laughs> and it's like you don't know you saw it. But you saw it. And, it's, you know, everybody just kind of looking around like, what? And the one little girl that's sobbing. I wonder what how they got her to cry. Oh, I don't know. Because you imagine, like, I mean, some some little kid, you know, she's... You go up and you do tears on somebody and then you just, you, you know, you act like you're crying. I guess that's If true. you close your eyes, like, you know. It's a it's an easy trick real quick. It's cinema. It's all fake. You know, what are, what are we talking about here? <laughs> And I, 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 all the different jobs, and I think you seeing him actually having to be a projectionist, and it's like, who would want that job? Made me think of you because that was your job, oh, and you a, loved it. It's an amazing job. What are you talking about? 
But the only reason that Tyler wanted that job was to splice in pornographic material. David Fincher was telling a story on a, on the audio commentary. He he knew this guy that was a projectionist that would splice out and take frames out of movies that he projected. I never did that. I was, that's kind of that's nuts that you would actually take a uh, frame of a movie out. But yeah, he would he would take a frame out. But I remember I'd always keep the trailers because when they're done, they would just throw them away. What would he just have like a photo book and he just put the one little? Yeah, he had them up on a wall. Fincher said. I'm surprised you didn't do so. Well, I guess if you had the trailers, you had No, something. I would never take a frame out of a movie. That's sacrilege. Gotta have every frame there. <laughs> and those cue marks, that's real. The cigarette burns. I don't remember noticing that. Oh, yeah, they're there. Well, okay, so they it, it kind of stops. Um, you, we went away from doing dual projectors. You know, I want to I say somewhere in the 90s, they got these things called platters, and you just built the whole movie on one giant reel. And there were three of them, and they're stacked kind of like a Christmas tree up. It goes through the projector on, on one platter. goes you know It goes through the projector, and then it comes out on another platter and rewinds. Anyway, that's how it works. So you've never had cue marks um, for those. So I think they phased them out at that point. But, I mean, I remember doing Titanic. That, that had um, cue marks on every single reel. And there were a bunch of reels. Uh, like there was, you could put four reels together. On, a, on projector, and I think Titanic had three giant projector reels. So you'd have to do two switchovers. Most movies, you only have to do one. But anyway, this is getting really... I'm sorry, I'm getting really nerdy and off-topic with projector stuff. My wife's even giving me the eyes. All right. See, I told you you love the job, obviously. You know, thinking about... I don't know why I thought about this when we were watching the trailer. That, um, you know, how it's somewhat of a trend to take movies and, you know, like, Ghostbusters, and you did the girl version of it. I can't see that happen. I guess I guess they could do the, a Fight Club that was you had females as the the lead characters. I can't see. I don't know. Get Michelle Rodriguez for it. Uh, yeah. Right away, but she would be the Brad Pitt be character. Tough chick. Don't you think she'd be the Brad Pitt Pitt one? Because Edward Norton. I mean, like they have to be able to fight, but you can't look at him and be like, yeah, they can fight. They'd have to be able to be like the corporate, like Kristen Wiig would be like the. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, she could, or... I don't know, I guess... What else have we seen? Or Claire Foy. It, She's, it, like, the girl in the dragon tattoo. Oh, there you tattoo, go. There you go. You know, right. in the yeah, crown and whatever. She can be serious. There we go. She that, can fight. Or Emily Blunt. Oh. She... There... Okay, now we're talking. Yeah. Now we're talking. Now you put your thinking cap on. I'm like, that. okay. All right. Chick version of Fight Club. Let's do it. I don't know. How, could you get a, get away with the same things now? What? This movie seems super tame. I know it was very controversial when it came out, um, you know, for the violence, and it, and it was promoting guy beatings and... Toxic masculinity. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know how that goes. For sure. I guess this would be like the poster child for toxic masculinity. <laughs> like in the dictionary. When you look up toxic masculinity. Well, is it? I mean, because it's a comedy. I mean, it's also making fun of some of the stuff. Like, I mean, even Tyler's not consistent... In the philosophies that he's he's spouting, you know, I mean, they're well. I guess I don't. You don't really know why Tyler ever starts the Fight Club. I, he just says, you know, how much can you know? How much can you know about yourself? You've never been into a fight, but I mean, you really understand Edward Norton. He's just wanting to feel pain. He wants to feel something, get that emotional release in his life, and this provides that. That's why he was going to those support groups. And he was going to the support groups before Tyler happened. So what was the 
What do you think was it? So if he was getting that release from the support, because Marla, oh, yeah, and they're like, and she messed it all up. Yeah. Yeah, I think when he was suffering insomnia, that's when Tyler Durden shows up, and then he goes to those support groups, and he's able to sleep again. So Tyler kind of goes away for a little bit, and then when Marla shows up, it kind of seems like that's what sets Tyler off to blow up his condo and put everything... I guess he's, I guess he's been having set things up in a while because he's got his soap business it seems like already set up he's already living in that dilapidated house which he may or may not own (laughs) and either way you you'd believe it you'd believe it he could own it or be squatting yeah either way and i said it was a blade runner house earlier because it uh the cinematographer that shot this i think his name is jeff it his name i think is jeff uh cronenworth his dad jordan cronenworth i think i may be confusing these two guys now but his dad, he's the one who shot Blade Runner. Oh. So it's just when you look at this house and you see the, the ring um, coming down on the, on the, uh, on the walls, mm. reminds me of that in chase scene in Blade Runner. My wife I is. I don't looking, remember <laughs> you don't the fir- first Blade Runner. On, I, we just watched that not long ago. No, we watched the, the new Blade Runner. We watched the new one before that. You mean the first one? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah so I'm sorry. I probably fell asleep. The new cut. I'm sorry. The, the 4K copy. Yeah, I don't remember getting through the whole movie, though. So you probably watched the whole thing. That's a shame. Yeah. Uh, Things but, we need to go back and rewatch, babe. Well, and I do think when we were watching the behind the scenes, it looked like they were, I mean, that was that a real house, right? For or, for even some of the interiors? For? the This movie, Fight Club. No, for the Victorian house where mm-hmm. they're staying. Um, yeah, the, the exterior was built. Um, I, forget, I forget where it was. But, yeah, they built the exterior, and then all the interior stuff was a soundstage. Oh, it was a soundstage. Yeah, okay. that's all soundstage. I guess that would make sense. You wouldn't really want to be in a dilapidated no, house I, and try to... Yeah, and they, they have all that water. And anytime you have to submerge actors and you have to worry about electricity... Yeah, that every time they go down for that electric box, I mean, I'm sure they had it very safe. But, you know, they it, oh, looks, yeah. it looks legit. I'd be scared. Oh, yeah. Look, so the crew here is absolutely amazing. The the gaffer, he is uh, an Academy Award winning cinematographer now himself, Claudio Miranda. He was the gaffer for this movie. Conrad W. Hall, son of uh, famed cinematographer Conrad Hall, camera op in this film. You know, Finchers are all really good about like getting these guys on and putting them in positions of second ACs and gaffers and. You know, in the next movie, they get to move up to the next position. They'll get to be a DP. Um, I mean, even um, the gaffer on this film, Claudio, he went on and shot Benjamin Button. That was that Fincher. Yeah, Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Yeah, David Fincher. So he did. That. And you, you on, during the break, you were mentioning the that Fincher was talking about doing World War Z. Dose. <laughs> is that how you worded it too? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That is how I worded it, but, you know, World War Z, too, I think is what the actual <laughs> title was. Yeah, I was being a smartass, yeah. Well, just making sure. <laughs> that would be awesome if it was the actual title. World War Z. Dos. I don't think you would take it as seriously. But, you know, I guess I didn't really think about how much he and Brad Pitt had worked together. It was where I was going to go with that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, they've, they've yeah, they've done at least those... They've done Seven Fight Club and uh, Curious Case of Benjamin Button. I don't think they've done anything else. Because all I can think of is like uh, Panic Room, Social Network, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, and Gone Girl. 
which are all excellent movies. I love every single one of Fincher's movies. They're all great. All of those are good. Did you uh, did you read the book? I did not. From Mr. Chuck Palahniuk. Yeah, it's it's been a while since I've read it. I I read it a lot when the movie first came out, and the only two things I can really remember that are different is that when the narrator meets Tyler, they're on a nude beach instead of what? Yeah, instead of the airplane. A nude beach. I guess that might, I don't know. I guess it wouldn't be harder to film necessarily, but maybe censors. I don't know how much you how much nudity you can get away with. Come on, you you know you wish they shot that <laughs> on the nude beach. But you Come know on. they still wouldn't have shown anything. <laughs> They wouldn't have shown anything. I don't know. It could have been Brad Pitt's like Kevin Bacon Wild Things. Moment. It would have been like Meatloaf on the beach is what <laughs> probably would happen. And of course, the the other thing that was different um, in the book, I think uh, Tyler when he he's going to blow up a building, it's not the credit unions. It's not he's not blowing up the credit card companies like he does at the end of the movie. In the book, it's uh, it's a museum or some federal building. Hmm. And uh, Tyler's actually going to kill himself and the narrator. And something goes wrong. The building does blow up or catch fire, but he survives. And he does still shoot himself in the face. And then he thinks he wakes up in heaven, but it's really a mental institution. And some of the people that are working there are like, hey, we're waiting for your return, Mr. Durden. Or some something along those lines. I'm sure it's written a lot better than that. I can't remember. But... Um, yeah, it's outside of that, it's a faithful adaptation. Well, and you think about it in the movie, the building they're in isn't there the big the the truck, the van that's in that same building because you know it th- that has all the nitroglycerin in that and in, in the building he's in, right? Isn't that in the basement of that building? Yeah, it is. But so, are you supposed to think like they are also going to explode and just? die or did he actually defuse anything when he was like shooting at tyler when he started that because when he was no, like because I'll... the guys they all meet him up there later at the end of the movie i is this like a jurassic park uh the fence depth here um i don't know oh my gosh just kind of blew my mind yeah i don't know that that is a valid point because i yeah you're i think you're right in that camera shot it does go and you know like in the basement like when he starts fighting with tyler it's in that the basement of that building and he shoots, and it's like, whoa, why are you shooting at me? And there's all this explosives, like, right behind me. Yeah, but at the end of the movie, it's clearly, like, they're 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 not going to blow up. Well, yeah, they're, they're watching everything else blow up. Yeah, he invited all his posse there. So didn't he just his tell them to, like, members. defuse that, I'll be down in a minute kind of thing? Or do you think his followers would never let him I think blow it was a mistake, because they wanted that cool camera shot in the beginning. <laughs> I don't know, I, you know, I... Oh, or maybe they just leave it, you know, you don't know what happens after that shot. But, you know, I guess there could always be a Fight Club too. I mean, what happens next? Are you, the, they, the, the buildings... author wrote a uh, graphic novel. Yeah, his, his second story, They I forget who pushed, put it out. But, yeah, some, some company put out the uh, the graphic novel of Fight Club 2. Was that after the movie? Before? No, yeah, it was after the movie. So was it like... It was, it like, was like with Rambo, with, with, I was I actually listened to your podcast when you were talking about how the the author of Rambo, like novelized the script from the movie for the second ones. It wasn't like he picked it, he used the movie to and how they changed it, I guess, to write his graphic novel. Well, I mean, uh, none of the characters die. I mean, all the same characters live, so I mean, you you you'd be fine. Yeah, mo- movie or book. It, I mean, there's really not that much difference, you know. I mean, it's just that insane asylum, and that's easy. All those same actors are still around. 
I don't want to fight Club Two though. Let, let, let's, let's just let this one be its thing. You know, let 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 it let it be. Let it be. It's fine, just the way it is. It's a beautiful film. Yeah, I do feel like if you did anything different, it would just mess it up to some degree. I, uh, this is a beautiful film. I would just. Just saying that out loud just got me thinking about how beautiful this fucking thing is. Just like that outside shot where they're getting ready to punch each other for the first time. Brad Pitt and um, Edward Norton. And, you know, he's like, he hits him in the ear. But just... <laughs> That's such a funny hit. <laughs> the ear. Oh, fucker. Oh, Jesus. Ah, I fucked it up. <laughs> but it's perfect. That beautiful Kina flow and how the shot is so symmetric and the production design of that Louis bar the exterior of that bar is so amazing and the parking lot oh let me tell you what anytime you shoot in a parking lot wet your asphalt it looks so sexy that's how you get that light just cleaning off of it oh it looks so sexy just like in a lethal weapon we were when we were uh, talking about that it was just oh those streets those LA streets all slicked down oh everything looks so them. dirty yeah <laughs> or grit i mean i guess and you know that's what you, dirty gritty it's textured there you go. I mean, it's a, it, you know, it's a Fincher film. All of his movies have that, like, just, you can wear one of his movies, whether it's good, bad, you know, like, even Seven. You, you just, you wear that film. Like, everything. So it just feels very real? Is that what you mean? Yeah. Like, every, well, not only, it, it feels hyper real. Okay. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not just, um, yeah, I don't know if you'd see some of these locations in reality and be, they'd be functional. You know, like, just like the house they're living in. I don't know. Like, even that bar, just, like, how it's under the interstate, like, little Louis Bar, and it's just a small little enclosed building in a parking lot. I thought it was just Lou's. Is it Louis? Is it Lou or Louis? It's Lou. Yeah, it is Lou. Lou. Yeah. Because I'm fucking Lou. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's such a disturbing scene when he, like, bleeds all over Lou. I mean, just, ugh. But you would think... If that was really a mobster and his, like, hit man was right there, like, he has a gun, why wouldn't he have, like, shot? That'd be the perfect time to shoot the person bleeding all over you to stop that from happening. Why do you think he uh, takes the beating instead of fighting back? So he can get bloody. I I initially thought, like, he was going to try, he was trying to get Lou to, like, Lou to release some of his pent up and just see why, why it was necessary to have that fight club and that he would be... He would join in. He would become a regular. That's what I thought the first time. And so, like, initially that's what I thought. But then when he turned and he just, like, you know, poured his crazy bleeding self all over the other dude, it's like, you know, now I'm letting you know you're dealing with a crazy motherfucker. And there's all these other crazy... Well, maybe that's why he doesn't shoot him, because there's all those other motherfuckers that are got to be crazy as well that are surrounding him. So, like, even if you do shoot this one, there's all the other ones that are there, and you're probably not getting out of that basement, because they're no. crazy. they definitely crazy. I do think it's interesting that, like, he does that right after giving his, his speech about being the middle children of history, which I, I think that's my favorite moment in the entire movie, like, for Brad Pitt, just talking, just just nailing his performance and being Tyler Durden. Man, I see in Fight Club the strongest and smartest men who've ever lived. I see all this potential. And I see it squandered. God damn it, an entire generation pumping gas, waiting tables, slaves with white collars. Advertising has us chasing cars and clothes, working jobs we hate so we can buy shit we don't need. 
We're the middle children of history, man. No purpose or place. We have no great war, no great depression. Our great war is a spiritual war. Our great depression is our lives. We've all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars, but we won't. We're slowly learning that fact. And we're very, very pissed off. He's giving his, uh, you know, he's preaching like Jesus, right? He's indoctrinating he's, the the folks. That's right, and he's going to go do his little his little sacrifice, you know, like, hey, look, I can I can show you guys the way through nonviolence, through violence. Complete opposite of nonviolence. Well, you know, I mean, he he's not hitting. He's you know he's being pacifist in that moment. Well, you know, they do Which have is so rules. Weird. They have their rules too. And it's, you know, I I can just see lawsuit just so quickly. I mean, somebody's going to die from getting beat too much. I mean, aren't there, there are some people that like one punch and you kill somebody. Well, you know, like <laughs> their their rules of like, you know, if someone says stop or taps out or goes unconscious, yeah. you stop. Yeah. But it's not like those are foolproof kind of things. Like, you know, like Jared Leto, he gets beat pretty bad yeah you know that there are i mean that some people had had would had to end up I mean, killing you know, somebody babe what i'm saying you know look some some bodies hit the floor sometimes and you just <laughs> bodies hit the floor <laughs> you just you know you just gotta go take them to the dumpster i don't know what do you, you do with that lie part of the soap company that's when you have to go to lou and you're like <laughs> hey you remember that guy that just bled all over you well we have a body here it needs some disposing because really, there's only business. there's only only uh, Bob dies, right? Does anybody else die that you? Yeah, nobody see? else dies. That is nasty when you. Oh yeah, that they show that. Yeah. Well, and all right, thinking about that, how they show what he looks like. So how do they get him into that house? Those two little dudes that were running <laughs> with him, and supposedly he gets shot while he's running. That would have been an instant drop. He's not still running. His legs aren't still moving, but they get him to that house. You know, maybe he was. Maybe he had a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. It was like a chicken, you know. You know, he cut a chicken's head off and the feet just keep going. Maybe that's his maybe name, this is what happened to you. His name was Robert, Robert Paulson. Paulson. That is that is creepy. It is creepy because it's it's a cult, like a cult. You know, yeah. it's, the people are indoctrinated. They drank the Kool-Aid. And even like when Edward Norton's like trying to rein it back in it, and he's doing stuff like he, there's, you know, even when he's like going completely against what he said, people just are like, so what you mean by that is, in death, we get our names. You know, like they're assigning, like they're attributing meaning to all these things, and it's like, what? That's right, you don't have a name before then. Because in Project Mayhem, you have no name. Only in death do you find your name. It, it, the movie does do a great job of, like, drawing you in to Tyler Durden's character, Almost kind of like, oh yeah, hey, come come see my point of view. And then, like when he turns the villain, it does do a really good job of of hitting that note. So when he dies at the end, you don't feel bad for him. It, but in the beginning, you are lured in by this world, and, and you're like, he has a point. You know, we're the middle children. Yeah, I, I need to feel some pain. <laughs> I, I hate my job. My job sucks. My boss sucks. Yeah. My shit's boring. I no, I, I I get it, and um, I think that's that's what makes it brilliant. When you think about 
what um, Edward Norton's character, what his actual job was, like as an actuary or whatever for that car company investigating, like, should they do recalls? That's terrifying. Yes, it is. I mean, because that, maybe that's just so close to real. Like, that, there's got to be people that do something similar to that. And just how long did that weigh on him and contribute to a psychosis of his character, but also give him the ammunition to become the other character like just knowing how that stuff works you got the guys uh sitting there joking about how much fat got burned into the seat <sighs> yeah now i you know i don't really feel bad at all about him blackmailing the shit out of them because that you know the corporation is definitely portrayed as being just dirty and or when he's at first on the airplane and he's talking to that woman, <laughs> that poor woman sitting beside him and he's like Which car company do you work for? <laughs> <laughs> a major one. She's like, No, no, you need to tell me the name. <laughs> no, seriously. I'm not I'm not getting the fuck out of the seat, you tell me the name. Earlier in the podcast when we were talking, um, just about all, all the filmmaking techniques and just like the different story techniques the movie uses, like the VO, uh, the flashbacks, there's also slow-mo in the film there's uh freeze frame um effects in the movie and there's also this really cool the really cool subliminal oh yeah of tyler durden of tyler durden's did we already talk about this no we didn't we just we talked about when he had the projectionist job and he spliced in things but you don't really talk about how tyler durden flashes up throughout the movie it's yeah it's only in the beginning little bit because tyler durden actually shows up around the 22 minute mark so, but before you meet him. Oh, I didn't think about that, that, you know, he's, he's popping up because he hasn't really come into frame yet and he, but he's, he's there. Yeah. I didn't really think about that. Well, that's exactly what, uh, you know, Fincher said. He's like, you know, Tyler Durden lives in the peripherals of his vision. Because there's the, the waiter scene where it shows like some commercial for the a hotel where oh, it's yeah. like all the welcome. And I, I, I'd forgotten about that one. Because it's kind of hard to tell which one is Brad Pitt. Yeah, he is in that commercial. That commercial. And then He's you on just the far see, left. or No, the far right. right. And then you see him. I guess it's just like a little flash of him. I don't know if he's like that that much in in view in any of the other scenes. No. Like I mean, it's he, such a quick flash. Yeah, it's, it's literally a frame. You know, he's like hanging out in the doctor's shoulder and, and one, um, one, like Marla's walking down a, um, a sidewalk. And they rack focus to her, and Tyler's like down on the on the sidewalk. Oh, I didn't. I don't remember that one. Yeah, um, it's it's when she shows up at the support groups. There's at least three or four of them. Oh, the, the copy machine. When he's doing the copier, and he's like, "When you have insomnia, um, you're never really asleep or awake, awake, awake." I love that. Oh, this movie looks so good. All the shots, beautiful. Love all the low angle stuff too. The, all the low angle stuff looks great. How much fake blood do you think they went through? A lot. <laughs> a lot. A whole lot. And David Fincher was bitching all about the, uh, apparently, like, when you're when you're squirting blood, the, the pump apparatus to get the blood to actually squirt has to be fairly close to the exit. Oh. You uh-huh. can only have so much tubing, all right? So like in the armpit or something? Can they? Yeah. Well, he was complaining about having these guys were the tubes, and they were like, constantly just out of frame on some of these shots you know oh, just, that'd be hard yeah. yeah he was constantly complaining about that he's just like oh we just needed more i guess you know i it's better to do practical i think i mean i think it holds up better yeah i mean he probably could have done 
fake, you know, CGI blood. Although I don't, I don't know how good that looked in '99. Liquid's hard to do. I wonder for Jared Leto's character how how blonde he is, like his eyebrows and his hair. For Angel Face, isn't that his name? Angel Face. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know if that's his actual name, but yeah, that's. I mean, obviously that's not his actual name, but um, I, I don't know if they, do... that's what they call him in the movie or not, or if that's just what his. Oh, maybe was. it is just in the credits. Yeah. Because yeah, and uh, yeah, you're right. I don't think they ever say what his name is because he's not one of those that shows up on the porch. Where they're like, you know, interrogating and. Oh no, he does show up on the porch. He's like uh, the he's like the third guy who shows up on the porch. He shows up after Meatloaf. But they don't really show them like oh, doing yeah, yeah. the no, they don't. rundown of him. I like how that when Meatloaf is like, he starts running away like after the first <laughs> time they say something mean to him, and Edward Norton's like, wait, Bob, 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 wait, just you know, wait it out. So I don't know. I think that's. See, look, if he had not gone back and got, got oh, no. Bitch Tip Bob, he, he could have lived. I shouldn't call him Bitch Tip Bob. His name was Robert Paulson. <laughs> <laughs> that had to be hard acting in those suits. I mean, they're, they're pretty stifling, I would imagine. Yeah, it can't be worse than Batman. Oh, yeah, you can't move your head. Yeah, these poor goddamn actors that have to be in these comic book costumes. Your skin tight. Yeah, I mean, some of them get some of them got pretty lucky. Like, I mean, look at Chris Pratt. He's like, "Huh, I got a trench coat, <laughs> motherfuckers." <laughs> Zoe's got to be painted green, damn it. Oh yeah, and like in in the X Men movies, the people that uh, played Mystique, the oh. blue and the like flakes, and they're yeah, both Jennifer naked, naked all. Is it Jennifer Lawrence and who's the other one? Uh, Romaine Stamos. Rebecca. I don't know, oh, and I don't know if she's Stamos anymore. That might be dated. Rebecca Romaine. Romaine yeah. Yeah, but anyway. thinking about X Men uh, and the costumes, I think I think I saw a thing with Ian McKellen that, like, with his Magneto costume, it kind of gave him muscles. It was kind of a muscle suit. Oh yeah, and he still wears it sometimes. <laughs> so yeah, I guess some people like their costumes. Hey, you know, you gotta you gotta, you gotta feel badass sometimes. Yeah, nothing says badass like a foam <laughs> under your shirt. Foam muscles, and I wonder. I'm sure that I know that they choreograph these fights very well but you know some people took some hits oh yeah a lot of people got hurt and, and thinking about you know your main actors they were they were big actors wonder what their insurance was oh i don't want to know you're working with stars this big you know who and knows and you're making them forcibly i mean the whole content is doing i mean they i mean the insurance on them they have like okay if brad pitt dies we got this film covered and oh my god can i i don't I can't even imagine how much money. Didn't you tell me? Because like his Tyler Durden's front two teeth are chipped. Yeah. Didn't you tell me that Brad Pitt yeah, did that did. for real? Yeah. What? That yeah. That's that is that that's that's what he said in a couple interviews. I don't know if that's true, but I mean, yeah. especially like when part of your stardom. I mean, I, Brad Pitt is a great actor. I'm not well, saying that, but part of his stardom you put is back his, on. But but you don't just like please break my teeth and then put them back on. It doesn't like work that way. It's not still the same integrity of your unless like they were. I mean, we said actors are crazy on this show. I mean, we don't always mean they're just crazy like eccentric. I mean, no, they're crazy. Sometimes they go to ex- extremes for the like. Look at what Christian Bale does like for some of his roles. I'm pretty sure he's taken at least fucking five years off his life. Like fucking going from the machinist to Batman. Damn. And the device. Yeah, but that was. Ten years later, but yeah, Vice. He was like 
But he's, I mean, Super just the, the different, yeah, different extremes that he's put his body through. Yeah, I think Christian Bale is probably what most people think of for method for the body or, yeah. image. Well, Marlon Brando and um, Robert De Niro, of course. But did they ever do anything that extreme with their physique? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Raging Bull. Uh, that That's the one that always comes to mind because uh, De Niro put on some weight and then he was also fit like a, a boxer as well. But you do think of like, I feel like Christian Bale, and maybe this is not accurate. I'm not the film person like you are, but he does seem like he's more of a, could be more of a character actor where like, you know, you have some imperfections and that could be part of your personality. Like Steve Buscemi, you know, in a way, like, you know, some of those things seem, they play well with any character he does. Wait, are you saying that just because Steve Buscemi is like uglier than Brad Pitt? No, I mean like how his (laughs) teeth are not perfect kind of thing, but like Brad Pitt He's. I don't think he. I mean, I think part Brad of his. Pitt, don't fuck your face up. Don't don't chip your teeth because you're beautiful. Steve Buscemi. Well, fuck your you, teeth up. Well, don't you? No. I mean, don't you think like his agent would have some hesitation or something? Like, you think his agent probably would say something like that? Like, you know. No, I'm. I'm sure. I'm sure his agent probably just found out about it and was like, "You did what, dumbass?" <laughs> they can put what? him back on. They're but... probably like, yeah, yeah. They better. Are they in a baggie? Lock them in a vault. Or, you know, I did kind of imagine it more more of like, what if this is something that happened to him in his life, you know, in general, that he had chipped his no, teeth no, no, already. No, he went to a dentist and purposely had them. Can you imagine being that dentist and being like, I want, I, I, can, I, no. I, I, I think I would have some hesitations there. <laughs> like, it's like, you know, you want to go to an eye doctor. I just want you to, you know, Make me go blind in this eye, and then but we can put on a contact lens and it'll be fine. I don't, I don't know. I just making something that you're supposed to protect, and that they're asking you to mess up. I don't know. Just would have some hesitations there. No, no, it's definitely crazy. It's definitely crazy. It's it's going a little too far for the role, but you know, hey, it's like your turn, Edward Norton. Yeah, what are you doing here? <laughs> it's their bodies. They want to do it. You know, knock knock themselves out. It's free country. You know. Edward Norton's like, well, I've got the it's bags nuts. under my eyes. I was made for this character. <laughs> you know, I'm good. I got bags. Uh, Brad Pitt, what do you got? Uh, I had to chip my teeth out, man. Um. <laughs> I do always wonder, like, what their interactions were like. You know, like, what was it like for Helena Bonham Carter, who's, you know, an eccentric British actress, working with these two? And, the, you know, did Edward Norton and Brad Pitt work together for any, with anything else? Before this, no, I don't think so. Or since then. I mean, just the three of them. Like, just, I just wonder what that dynamic was like. And I guess they wouldn't really have to do anything except be their characters, but. I don't know. I didn't listen to the actor commentary with the director. So, I, I don't really know. I don't know. I didn't get to get to see. I get, get to get to feel them out. I'm sorry. I just listened to the Fincher one in the background. That's all I had time for this week. But that slow-mo shot of her, though, when. She, uh, it's it's, uh, it's the power animal. Oh, Sly. Yeah, going into your power cave, finding your power animal. Go inside your cave. And then... Um, Does she even say anything, or she just turns and exhales the smoke yeah, at that time when she's in there? I think he turns around and looks at her, yeah. And he sees her, and she's just there. And she's exhaling. She's got those sunglasses and that hat, and dressed all in black. And it's just, oh, man, it's amazing. I always like the penguin. I wonder how they chose... Was that... Sly. Yeah, your power. Animal. I think. Yeah, I think is that, that in the book? I think that is in the book. Your power. An- what does that say? If your power animal is a penguin, you can survive harsh winters. You're a ruthless egg garden motherfucker. 
Because I'm pretty sure that was an Emperor Penguin. Because I have seen March of the Penguins. <laughs> In researching this, my expertise on penguins. That's all I know about penguins. They should but... have let Morgan Freeman like be the narrator just for that part. Or the penguins. <laughs> I am Jack's internal monologue. <laughs> yeah. I can't do it. We need Jared here to do a Morgan Freeman. Yeah. Jared should have been here. This yeah. is ours. Well, yeah. The guys can't make it out every night. But I always did, always, because I, I remember your Fight Club t-shirt that you had. And surprisingly, that was hard to find. And I feel like, you know, especially since this is kind of a cult thing and, you know, everything that's old becomes new. And it does seem like, you know, like you go into some stores and you see some things like from, you know, that are pretty popular. But I, I don't think of, I don't know if I've ever seen like the penguin with slide on it. And I think that would be a great t-shirt. That would be a good t-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. You just usually see the bar so yeah you're right mischief mayhem soap i knew it got i knew it got a little bit beyond cult status though when you start seeing the fight club t-shirts in target in target <laughs> yeah but yeah and you don't think it, it doesn't quite have the same status but, anymore hmm, well you know it's kind of just even having fight club on a t-shirt kind of goes against the theme of fight club <laughs> which also kind of makes me like the t-shirt even more ah <sighs> things that are torn i mean because this movie is really funny i mean like it is poking fun of itself i mean because like, there, there's even moments where like uh brad pitt at the end he's like oh flashback humor uh what did you think about um the big reveal that tyler durden really is just a character or a, a split personality or personality in general inside of well, and I think the that's what story. that's what I meant by, you know, it's hard to think it. Remember how you felt about it the first time you saw it. Because once you know, you can't unknow. And so I don't really remember how I felt about it the first time. But I mean, did you, did you see it coming? Did you I think well, I mean, I, I like to think I was smart enough to see it coming. Um Oh, I definitely did not. Yeah, you know, with the the suitcase and the but I I I probably wasn't smart enough. Yeah, like the only at this time the only films I'd seen with split personality were Psycho and Raising Kane. And that makes sense. Yeah. You know, so I mean this that really took me took me aback and shocked me. Which cuz you know, you're not expecting it. Just the tone of this movie and how fast-paced it's cutting. Like you keep expecting like Brad Pitt and Edward Norton to get into this big brawl at the end. True. And I, and I think because you know how it start how it, it starts, you know that there is that conflict. You know they show you that there's that that big conflict and you're waiting for that you know to happen but yeah i, I guess and i I, st- I I definitely don't think i could have imagined that all that fighting would have been fighting yourself even though you see in the office when he goes to blackmail the dude and i, I don't know how edward norton did that do you did that you think they had him on any like wires or anything to make nope. himself jump back i mean that's i mean that takes some that's just edward norton doing his thing and it looks good. Like, yeah. I mean, it looks like how it would be if someone actually hit him. Every I, shot's him except for when he go the back shot when he hits the glass. That's a stunt double. But everything else he did. And then, and like you told me, that they, you know, because I'd forgotten. And since we have kids, we had to pause the movie like 10 times to <laughs> get through it, to rewatch it. But, you know, that they go back That's and true. show you that he's fighting himself in case you didn't, can't put it all together, how that would look. I mean, they show you that it it really is just him yeah. fighting himself. And I, I, I guess that would be one of the reasons why I probably wouldn't have thought it was a split personality. 
you know, I may have thought like something like the same suitcase is like the, the, them trying to say, Hey, y'all are, you could be, this is who you could be, but you're not kind of thing. Like this is who you could be and you're aspiring to be. And there's that conflict, but I don't, I, I probably didn't get that. It was, I probably was just as shocked. I just don't remember. Yeah. No, I was, yeah, I was, I was floored. Yeah. And, and it, the same year as the sixth sense too. You know, it's like you get this movie and it's just like, oh, bam, damn, look, you surprised me again. Oh, my God. First time he was dead. Now this guy's not even there. He's in his head. Oh, my gosh. I do, you know, with the him shooting himself, like, how is he so fine? Like, that shot is enough to kill Cause, cause Tyler. Because he finally, well, I think it's more of a thematic, like, I finally killed that part of me that no longer needs these things, you know, like, because he even tells Tyler, like, you know, I no longer need you. And he's like, well, I didn't, Tyler, I forget what, the, what Brad Pitt says, but he's something like, I didn't create some fucking loser alter ego fucking to make myself feel better. You know, take responsibility for your actions. And that's actually what he does. And I The mean, gun is in my hand. Yeah, it's a shame you got to blow your brains out or attempt to in order to accomplish it. But I, man, I, the first thing I did when I got this on DVD was rewind that over and over again. Because first time I saw it in the theater, I was like, wait, did he... Where did the gun exit? Where did the bullet exit? Like, did it go out through the back of his head? How's this guy still fucking alive and talking? Yeah. But if you, re- you know, if you look at it real closely, it does just go out near the side of his jaw. And it's pretty good when um, he's, Edward Norton is realizing that he, he is Tyler and he's gone, he's flying to all those other cities. And initially he thinks he's just on the heels of Tyler Durden. Like he's just mi- missing him. Then he oh, gets yeah. to that one bar, and the dude's in like the screwed, uh, screw, screws holding his head together and his neck the together. Yeah, the head brace, and it's like, is this a test? Is this a test? You and you know, it's like all the different things that his him as Tyler had prepped them to expect from him himself, like how the Tyler persona has you know prepared, and like the cops when he goes and tries to tell the cops, like that's pretty hilarious. Oh, he said you'd say that. Oh, he definitely said you say that. And we have to cut your balls off. We have to castrate you. Yeah. It's like, and these are the police officers. And, and But there's that one that's like the real investigator, the one that's been investigating his apartment, yeah. I guess. The arson. He's like the only one that's not in the know about Fight Club. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. At this police department. Yeah. In this unknown city. <laughs> I, I've always felt, you know, those little reveals every single time when you're like, oh. This is serious, and someone would be like, "Okay, sir, we know what's going on, or you know, we're we're prepared for whatever you said." And it's just how ubiquitous this had come. Well, they do threaten castration with the the police commissioner in that one scene. They, they I mean, did. They, so you know, maybe the police are they're like, you know what, just let these guys do their thing. You know, so what? A couple office buildings catch on fire. It's okay. It's all right. Okay, I get to keep my balls. <laughs> Priorities, yeah. <laughs> Because that, that scene is creepy because they're, like, all out in the crowd as waiters. And when he goes to the bathroom, they all just leave. And it gives you this this white collar, your servants. And, they, you know, I forget what the line Tyler even says. Like, we watch you while you sleep. And it oh, well, does yeah, make it creepy. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, the, there was a line, though. Like, we're your we're your support for everything you do, essentially. We're yeah. ev- essentially, we're everywhere. I mean, even when uh, Edward Norton tries to call and diffuse a situation with that street, and he's like, I'm trying, he's trying to tell them that something's going to happen at their location, and he's like, don't worry, sir, we've got it taken care of. It's like he's, 
you know, because people are there. They are everywhere. You stop Project Mayhem. We got to get your balls. Well, oh, and the preacher, that preacher character that they, because you wonder, like, what, is it just, like, the blue-collar type workers that are, you know, that, that have have been either, like, not just blue-collar, but, like, either the office workers. Like, you're, you don't get the feeling that these are the boss people at their corporate jobs. Like, these are the worker bees at the corporate job or, like, the blue-collar folks. And I love that one where it's, like, you know, go f- start a fight and the one dude's, like, starts a the fight with the priest and then the, oh. the preacher or whatever and he then becomes like a regular in in fight club and it's like you what <laughs> he's got that great like uh it's it's weird i and, you know you know fincher's is uh framing it in a way where he's you know obviously hugging the other guy after he's fight, fought him and it's got a very christian born again symbolism in, in just the way it's framed but you don't see anybody in there that probably starts from an um, a position of power in their day to day. Yeah, that's true. I mean, e- any any of those folks. I mean, I guess the preacher. Why would he not be in a position of power? I don't know. I guess he's supposed to be meek and mild and a servant. Maybe maybe he's a he's a crappy uh, you know, or maybe maybe he's a great preacher, but he's you know in a he's small shitty town. Yeah, or something. What was that? Oh, it was game night. Remember we watched that movie and it was like one of the guys had like a Fight Club in his house. Oh yes, yeah, in the basement, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do but you know, that. like he was the the douchebag rich guy that was like and profiting the walls off were all of it. White. Yeah, yeah. I was just trying to think of like how would the person of power ever be involved in this? Like there would have to because you would think like what about the billionaires fight club or something? Or would they just they would just pay people to fight for them? Yeah, or but, something. I mean, you know, that, I don't know. That's like you know one step away from like you know bum fights. You know, paying homeless people to fight for your entertainment. You know. I don't know. That's not what Fight Club was about. It's about feeling things. It's about liberating your soul, about being free of all these worldly possessions. The things that you own end up owning you. Didn't John Lennon say some things about the possessions? I can't see him being a proponent of Fight Club, though. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know. I don't, you know, don't, don't get your philosophy, your ideas from Fight Club. You know, it only goes so far, and, uh, you know, Tyler Durden... I think he even talks himself out of some things if he stopped and thought about him long enough, which he obviously doesn't. Well, and well, there is that one scene, I guess, where Edward Norton gets kind of jealous of Angel Face, and when he's like, "I wanted to destroy something beautiful," and Brad Pitt's character's like, "What the hell, man?" Yeah, but he says that, but he's got. He, they even have that weird line like, uh, before, like when he pulls his his tooth out, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, even the Mona Lisa's falling apart." Hmm. Tyler just wants. He, he's he's almost like the Joker. Yeah, I'm, I'm a dog, hmm. you know, chasing the bone. He's a little perplexing and doesn't always make sense and a little hypocritical of himself sometimes. Like chaos for chaos's sake. Yeah. Like even uh, some people are talking about like uh, this film's very fascist, you know, but it's like, but it has no direction. But it is anti-consumerism. I mean, yeah, you could see that. It, you know, it's, it's nihilistic, but I mean, yeah. not really at the same time. I mean, but it's the- kind of making, it's making fun of those same things. Yeah. I don't know. It's 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 bizarre. It's a hard movie to pull, uh, you know, to to pin down what it really is, because it really doesn't believe in anything. The movie's kind of like just really poking fun at everything. It even pokes fun of itself. It just it's having, I don't know, it's having fun with all these ideas. And I guess if you're overly impressionable, you know, that you can get sucked into something like this. The you know the anti the nihilism the anti you know if someone has is a good preacher of a doctrine. 
you know, and you're and you are lacking something, you know, depend who knows what you would grab onto. So maybe it's more of that notion of the we're too we're too soft, so we need to find something. All right, guys, look, if you're worried about your masculinity, don't don't worry about it. Okay, just put on some share. <laughs> Watch Moulin Rouge. It's what I do, okay? And I just, I, I just, I woosah myself. Woosah. Woosah. <laughs> Bring it down a notch. It's all, it's all, it's, everything's okay. Are we, I think we're at the end here. Are we at the end here? I think so. All right. Since Lindsay, you haven't been on the show in a, in a while, why don't you go first, give this movie a rating? One all right, to ten. So, okay, I was going to say one, uh, what is, what is the rating? One to ten. Um, I guess I don't have a lot of frame of reference for what I would consider you know, the, the top and the, the, I don't have any benchmarks for what I would, I would consider, but this would have to be pretty high up, but I, I might be a little nostalgic for it as well. I guess I'll go nine. What? You're going to go nine? Nine. You're going to go nine on Fight Club. Because. Wait, you're going to be such a petty motherfucker. Yes. That you gotta, you gotta not, what the fuck? Okay. I don't know what, what it, I don't know for? what the, what, what it would have been to get that extra point. <laughs> maybe maybe it's the it's the i don't know if they actually exploded that little the what you mean the no i don't know what the dynamite the nitroglycerin in the building that they're in kind of thing but maybe that that could have been like the worst shitty viewers and we need to go back and look at that yeah again. well maybe that's true i i don't think that di- don't badger me into a, di- saying, a different like, rating do you think do you think that warrants a point being taken off of there's something that you're not even 100 percent sure about i mean bob look i'll let you i'll let you take off like like what? a quarter of a point you're gonna you're gonna deny me <laughs> my, my <laughs> let, rating you, okay. you're gonna covet my time here I, the, the only part of the movie i really dislike is is the uh is that is is the part where the the frame starts shaking in the camera and Tyler Durden's doing this little talk where he's like, "You're not your khakis. You're not uh, you do this. You're we're the all seeing, all dancing crap of the world." And you can see the film shaking in the gate in the film, and it's like, blah, 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 blah. yeah, it's definitely intentional. Yeah, and whatever. he's talking to the camera, and there's nobody else in the room, and he's in the basement of that fucking Victorian house, and it's like, why is this scene in the movie right here? That's a weird moment in the movie. I like it, kind of. But at the same time, watching the flow of the film now, it does seem very bizarre because it, it makes it heavy-handed. I would allow like maybe you know a quarter of a point, half a point be taken off for that. <laughs> but I mean, otherwise, like, why would you take a point off? I don't know. I'm going to give my rating. It's a 10. Well, and I guess, you know, you were saying like this movie 10. is, what is it saying? Saying nothing. But it's terrible. It's very entertaining. Like... Like what did you? What would you say is the message of Fight Club? What is the message behind Fight Club? Yeah. What do you think the director? What do you think they are trying to say? Wow. What are they trying to say with this film? I guess the story is of somebody that's lost and can't find their way and has no options and nowhere to go. It's it's kind of like the the Graduate. I can I can see like that, or even the Big Chill. I can I can see like with these people in midlife or just a weird time in their life. That's right. You met me in a weird time in my life, okay? So, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah, it, it, it's him trying to, to find that next thing. It's just, in doing so, he created a, an all, you know, this weird Tyler Durden alter ego id. But, you know, I think Marla is good for him. I, you know, I don't know. What is the movie saying, though? I, mean, I don't know. Does the movie always have to say something? No, probably I, I mean, not. what does Jaws say? 
We need a bigger boat. Damn, that was good. Damn, that was good. Damn. That's why I married you. Damn, that was good, baby. God, oh, damn. That is what that movie said. Damn. And if the mayor just listened. I don't know. What does the exorcist say? I don't know. They, they, you know, these compl- What does Halloween say? I guess I know what the exorcist says, but what does the Halloween say? <laughs> what does Halloween say? Yeah, what does Halloween say? The boogeyman exists. Yeah, okay. Does that really say something? That's not really saying something. You shouldn't have sex while you're babysitting. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to die. The yeah, rules the of the horror movies. Okay, fair enough. I think we're at the end here. I'm getting cut off. I'm going to get fired from ever coming back. Oh, I, no. fight, fight Club and Nine. No, I think it's great. I, I, I don't have a good reason, so that's valid. Well, I mean, if you want to elaborate now, I mean, you can. While I'm, you know, I'm looking looking this stuff up here. I don't have any other elaboration, but you know, we have no Fight Club representation in the house. No, we got it in the garage. So if it's in the garage, probably I mean, a nine. That's in the house. In the garage. I don't like the posters for Fight Club. It's just Brad Pitt and Edward Norton's face and a bar of soap that says Fight Club. It's just it doesn't really do it for me. I mean, that doesn't. Like, I got limited wall space here. This is <laughs> fucking artwork for every fucking piece of, you know. And there's stuff I can't afford. Amy you know, Adams is all over the place. Well, Arrival is a great movie. Mm-hmm. You know, she 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 was a doctor in that movie. That's very attractive. What about that uh the contact lens pod? See? It makes me think of optometry, which makes me think of you. Just throw up some Brad Pitt on the wall though. I mean <laughs> I'm just playing. Get Godzilla and Amy Adams, that's all right. I'll put Tom Hardy on the wall. <laughs> Daniel Craig. <laughs> Tom, D- Daniel Craig in the in the mask from um, the Dia de los Muertos uh, poster, and Tom Hardy is Mad Max. Okay, all right. So get Daniel Craig wearing the bikini and uh, oh my god, that is, 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 that, is that is no. That? <laughs> oh, but we do have the rival banner where it looks like uh, what is his name? Hawkeye. Jamie Renner. Jeremy Renner. <laughs> I mean, it looks you're, like he just smelled of poop. <laughs> well, I know that's what you're going to say. I know. It's just terrible. Every time you look at... Every, I get this beautiful arrival banner. and is it? it's, it's all over our kitchen. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. But <laughs> Lindsay always gives me shit because she's like, you know, Jim, Jeremy Renner there, he looks like he smelled a fart. <laughs> yes, it does. Because <laughs> you're like, you know, look, you get to you get to have these people to look at. Well, with Amy Adams all over the place, but... And Jeremy Renner's fart face. <laughs> Excuse me, Stab. Did you step in poo today? All right. I think we're at the end here. So, guys, you've been listening to the Movie Crew Podcast. If you guys want to get in touch with us, you can do so by sending us an email to themoviecrew at gmail.com. That's themoviecrew. Crew is spelled C-R-E-W-E. That's right. Extra E at the end of the word crew at gmail.com. You guys can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, Google Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Movie Crew Pod. And you guys can also give us a rating on Facebook. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Elkins Edits. And we're going to be closing out the show tonight. I think we have to end immediately with the Pixies, Where Is My Mind? But we also need to play some of the Dust Brothers score, so we're going to be playing track 10, Stealing Fat. Stop. Enjoy. Enjoy.